0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I would say the best advice I ever received in anything is be interested, not interesting. So be interested in what people have to say. Don't try and be interesting to everybody because... At the end of the day, people care that you listen.
2: This is Property Invest Story where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. In this episode, we're joined with Alice and Justin Hagen, co-founders of Calibre Real Estate and take a long experts in property management. The Hagens share how they went from missed opportunities to success in managing others' properties. They also show listeners how opening a business is more often than not worth the risk. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. For the Hagans, property investment has always been about taking calculated risks and executing well thought out strategies.
3: We thought we were young, we could bounce back, we could you know just just high risk and high growth at that stage. Um, and I, I don't regret anything. I thought <laughs> that high risk strategy was a, a good one in that that market when we moved up to Brisbane.
1: And in the early stages, when obviously when you're young, you could, and you know that everyone's got a different risk profile, but I think you've got an opportunity to, you know, to to make informed decisions and take you know educated risks about you know trying to you know create wealth and and things moving forward like everybody's different and you know I love property because you can add value yourself and if you if you want to get in there and you know get a new roof on or do a new you know put carpet all that you can add value you can increase the rent you can you know you can make the property more appealing so i think when i say educated risk it is everything's a risk but you know if you know what you, you've done your research i think you know there's good opportunity
2: According to the couple, investors should be well informed about an investment's conditions before taking on any opportunities to leverage for growth and equity.
1: I just think, um, accumulating. like accumulating, you know, and I think obviously lending's a lot different now to what it was then. Obviously, you could leverage a lot, uh, a lot more than what you could now, um, and probably for a good reason in, in a slowing market. But um, I think when those opportunities come, if you you take that risk when you have the opportunity to leverage or you get some growth out of a property and you can use some equity um, to potentially then use use that equity to buy what, a property that you may uh, flip or, you know, renovate and sell. So, you know, it's not a long-term risk, it's a short-term, you know, risk while you do that renovation to get that money back, uh, back in. So I think, yeah, it's just about using, you know, researching what strategies you can use because I think, obviously, People will speak to their finance brokers about, you know, what strategies they can use to best um, utilise their their funds, etc. But, you know, everyone's got a different income. Everybody's got a different um, mindset around that. But I think, yeah, you've just got to see what works best for you and, you know, have a chat to a professional in that area. Definitely.
3: Yeah, manage, manage cash flow during those times, especially if you're doing a, a flip, if you've got enough for, the, you know, contingencies, Finding things when you're renovating.
2: The couple themselves were independent of any property investment mentors, opting to do the research and creating a team themselves.
1: We did a lot of research ourselves, and I think you know the main thing is just getting familiar with the, the current town plan, council's regulations, how long things are going to take to get approved, you know what issues are you going to come up against, and, and just all the extra costs involved, as well as
3: how much we could do ourselves yeah. as well. So yeah, I think
1: you could do yourselves, yeah. you
3: know. Who are our contractors? Who yeah. are we going to um, have as part of our um, team? Yeah.
1: That means and, and those things, and, and obviously one thing I I think that people maybe overlook as well is that when you do a, generally when you do a subdivision, the bank doesn't want to lend you money to do a subdivision. They want to, they want to they'll want lend you the money to buy the property and then you've got, you know, the the cost of the subdivision or your services that you'll have to pay for generally yourself before the bank will come and relook at um, doing it so it's just making sure you have all the contingencies for those those different things I think that's the you know that's definitely the key
2: in terms of books the couple of different favourites however both quoting them as contributors to their success in property investment
1: I love books about specific things I will say I'm not um, I I love I like books about property and, and business um, I think a business book I would read is Good to Great. I think you know that's that's a really great book, and it you know breaks down you know how how you know systems and culture and and everything will build you know a great business. And for property, um, it's you know it's quite cliche, but Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think one of the first books I ever read. It's very easy to understand how property works. Um, it's not confusing and yeah it's just a simple way of, of, of understanding how property could work and you know obviously anyone in their 20s that reads that will, will probably get an idea about what's you know what's going on and probably give them a bit of a bit of an idea or view into how that can work. Excellent. And
3: I've recently just read Richard's man in Babylon and I found that really amazing as a um, good foundation um, to your path to investment as well. Um, I've actually started reading it to our our boys as well just so they have, at school they just don't teach you about finances and budgeting and I think that's a critical step of actually understanding how to create your own wealth as well, Uh, how to manage money.
2: As for the best advice ever received? The couple had different, yet equally inspiring messages, both relevant to the investment and business side of things, yet also life in general.
1: I would say the best advice I ever received in anything is be interested, not interesting. So be interested in what people have to say. Don't try and be interesting to everybody because at the end of the day, people care that you listen and understand and take note of what they're saying to you. So for me, in business and and in my personal life, I think that's you know, one of the key things that I try and
2: try and stick to.
3: Mine is always be a student, so always be learning.
2: The Higgins had always been big on subdividing, even with their first property back in two thousand and six. However, they made sure they researched the strategy thoroughly before applying it to any property investment.
1: 2007 uh, would have been the first one,
2: and that was that after your first purchase, which was your yeah. Home. So
1: October, October, 2006, we, we purchased a uh, our first property and then an investment uh, unit, uh, and then yeah, I think June 2007, uh, we purchased the our first subdivision, uh, and yeah, and and through that strategy, obviously, and I think the thing about subdivisions is there's a lot of different scenario, You've either got properties that are already on two lots, um, properties that need to be are on one lot that need to be, you know, into two lots, and obviously the price difference as far as cost-wise doing that can can diver- differentiate a great deal. So I think it's understanding what what you need to do and what costs are involved um, before you dive in, because um, sometimes it doesn't always work out um, how you think it will.
2: While the Hagens have had success in subdivision, they are wary of the strategy as they know that its results depend on the market and zoning changes.
1: Oh, look, it just depends because obviously it's not something you always do straight away. So when when we look at a property, we look at it and go, all right, well, there's potent, You know, there would be potential there for a subdivision, and depending on you know what the market would be doing in that area at any given time, I think you know you, you could look at subdividing down the track. And generally, when a property is subdividable, there's potential for that zoning so to change again. So, if you don't really need to subdivide it right at that point in time, you know, I think there is benefit to, to waiting. So, I think letting a bank know whether you're going to subdivide it or not, um, it, it may, in some circumstances, I guess, help. You know, getting the finance knowing that they might get, you know, they may get a portion of the money back sooner, etc. But yeah, I think it's case by case, definitely.
2: For a particular property the Hagens had bought, the house on the land had to be moved to a separate lot.
1: So that that property um, was on the north side of Brisbane. It was 810 square metre block. Uh, It was on one lot. Um, So that meant that obviously it required a a full subdivision um, through council before you could sell off any of the property. So,
3: well, sorry, I'll just say, so when we purchased that property, we... uh... Put a tenant in it straight away, so we're collecting income. Yes, well, yeah, we're
1: doing this. Sorry, anyway. yeah, that's right. And so the the main house straddled um, both properties, uh, both obviously potential lots there. Uh, so Alice briefly mentioned about this one before that we had to think about what you know what is the best outcome for this um, house because it is it was such a nice house that had been renovated um, probably within five, within the previous five years. Uh, so what we did, we actually set out a plan to go and find another property, uh, a block of land. And I just wanted to find, well, we, we just wanted to find something as, you know, reasonably priced as possible that we could fit this property on. Because obviously any house that's existing that you can move has a value already. You're already adding value to it because, you know, if the house was about 200 square metres. So we had to get it cut in half. Um, moved on a truck. So we, we found a block of land and I believe it was around 235,000 and it was only about a kilometre and a half in the location of, of where the blocks were that we were subdividing. So through that process, you have to obviously get um, council approval to move the property, the termite inspections, etc. cetera. Um, so we got the green light on that. And while all that was happening, we were, the blocks of land were in. in council with the the approval uh, coming through. Um, There was a few issues we had with that subdivision Uh, as far as stormwater, the property did slope towards the back.
2: They struggled for approval from the local council for certain development features of the property, in fact claiming that the most forgivable element of the property development were the costs.
1: So as part of the approval we had to request um, some pits, Uh, uh, stormwater pits in the back which not everybody, not the council, doesn't really like approving that, obviously, because it, it can cause um, extra overland flow when they do overflow, um, and and just things like that. So it was actually a really good, good one to sink our teeth into um, to get a real grasp on on what things happen because it was a start to finish um, dealing with council. Obviously, you had the town planners, um, subdivision company that helped us along the way with that as well. Yeah, um, the cost, like if to give a ballpark of costs, um, obviously they've changed a bit now. Um, it's quite a little bit more expensive at the moment. At the moment, to do it, but back then you're looking at about between sixty-five and seventy-five thousand um, to do a subdivision, um, which would include this is from uh, one lot into two lots. So you looking at that's including all your sewer connections, water meters, and and obviously that that can vary depending on how far you got to bring your sewer. Um, and stormwater um, services. But as a ballpark, that was about you know, the, the round average price of what we were, were costing us back then. For the same thing now, you're probably looking at around 100 to $110,000, um, just purely based on uh, high council contribution costs. Um, and again, depending on what council you're doing it in, can vary as well.
2: Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into the Hagens property investment strategy and how they've built a successful portfolio.
1: Obviously, councils has different zoning for different areas.
2: Their profits while applying the subdivision strategy on their properties.
1: The combined result was a great profit. Individually, the subdivision wasn't a massive profit, but there was obviously it was a joint, you know, a joint development in in essence, really.
2: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investor. Talking about buying property in 2018, would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your copy today. The couple believe that the rise in costs for subdivision currently are due to overall pricing differences in all the stages required for subdivision.
1: Contractor costs to lay your um, services, um, council contributions have increased, um, yeah, just overall, just the overall cost of, of anything, and you know, anything to do with it, obviously, your plumbing trades, all, all that sort of stuff, who so get in there and, and do your pipe work etc it's all it's just all increased overall so I think you know you've really got to have a, a, at least a hundred thousand dollars in the budget if you're doing a you know a subdivision from one into two
2: While the subdivision strategy is a long and complex one the Hagens seem to be experts in the process particularly knowledgeable about zoning and how a potential lot can be subdivided
1: Obviously councils has different zoning for different areas um, the beauty of of the councils now is very easy to get the information. You can go straight on their web, website, interactive mapping for Brisbane City, um, and you can actually find out what the zoning is for each area. Um, the zones have changed um, over the years. So it's two thousand and fourteen; they all changed. They changed the naming of them and all and, and different areas. But yeah, it, overall, you just need to get on there and find out what you can put in your, you know, the location that you're looking. And the other key thing is, one side of the street may be a different zoning to the other, so it's important to get on and actually confirm um, what the zoning is for that particular property um, as well.
2: Their knowledge on subdivision did not come overnight. However, they continuously built on this investment strategy by learning and reviewing their experiences.
1: I think being, you know, being in. In the same office with the subdivision people, and just having a general, real interest in the in the subdivision um, strategy, I think you just find out different um, things that can help you along the way. So, you know, for certain for a corner block, there may be a different ruling for land size. Like it might be an average land size as opposed to you know you definitely have to have four hundred square metre blocks. There's just lots. Of, the more information that you gather, and the more people you speak to. Town planners or people that have done subdivisions before, they can give you a really good insight. And you might think, Oh, I couldn't do that subdivision there because of, of this. But there's a lot of there's a lot of information that you can go, all right. Well actually if you do XYZ, that is a possible subdivision. And you just then have to weigh up, right, is that extra cost gonna be worthwhile? And and I think that's the real key, is just understanding the cost behind each subdivision. And I always say as well, subdivision will generally cost you the same in a, in a suburb 10k of the city as it will 3k to the city. So you've got to work out, all right, the value of that land once I subdivide it. How how am I going to, you know, consume that hundred thousand dollars just spend, How's that, you know, how's the reward going to be at the end of it? You could, you could turn around and subdivide, yeah, you do know, a seven hundred thousand dollar subdivision and the blocks. Maybe worth three hundred thousand each or three twenty-five, whereas you go in the city, you know. So that's where it's important again to to go back and do your sums and, and look at the end result.
2: Yeah, Rather than
1: thinking the cheap property. you know, because a lot of people think, oh, it's cheap, it's a cheap property. Um, I'm going to subdivide it and, and make money. Whereas if potentially they would look to spend a little bit more to go closer into the city, they'll get a better reward for their, you know, for their effort.
2: For the first subdivision project, the Hagans were able to make a large profitable return.
1: The initial cost for that property was five hundred and fifty thousand. I think five hundred and fifty five thousand um for the initial purchase. Purchase. Oh no, it wasn't that no, wasn't that much. Not, that not, no, was four hundred and fifty five for that one. That was in that evident part. Yeah. yeah. Four fifty five. Um and then yeah, I believe that once we With all the survey and the whole subdivision, I believe that one came in at about seventy-three to seventy-five thousand. And because there was, I guess, because that was a combination, really, really development. Because we, there was two parts to it. There was the opportunity to move that other house. Um, So the other house got moved um, off the block, and we ended up just selling the two blocks off. um, Because at that point in time, we're looking for um, just turnover to start. You know, moving moving the investments forward. Um, the blocks the block sold for just over three hundred. I think they were three hundred and twenty five thousand each. each, off the top of my head. So it wasn't a massive capital gain, but it was enough for us to spend the money on the house move that we did, and we actually made a, a, a decent profit on the the property that we moved to the other location because the block of land cost us two hundred and thirty five thousand. We moved it, and with some work we did. I think we spent about one hundred and fifty thousand, and it sold for six hundred thousand.
2: Oh wow!
1: So, okay. so there was a, there was that was probably a much better result. Like the combined result was a great profit. Individually, the subdivision wasn't a massive profit, but there was obviously it was a joined, you know, a joint development in in essence, really.
2: The whole process took around nine months for the Hagens although the process had been sped up by the local council
1: the whole process from start to finish was about 9 months i believe yeah okay. For that one yeah it was they, like and council have improved a lot now there's a in brisbane they got a process called riskmart um you can get subdivisions through uh, approvals through in 4 weeks uh, four, to, 4 to 6 weeks which you know previously it was 3 to 3 to 4 months and oh, then wow you know so they, they have there has been a lot of streamlining going on, and you know that's great. And I'm glad the council's done that because obviously holding costs in any development, especially a small development, really, you know, really can chew up profits. That's for sure.
2: For investors looking to get into subdivision strategy, the Hagen strongly recommend keeping any existing houses and to hold off on any development for as long as possible.
1: My number one thing, as far as subdivision. The best subdivision you can get is one that you can keep the existing house, because I think just doing a pure subdivision, the margins aren't the margins aren't massive, um, and the risk is higher because if you're demolishing a house and you've got two vacant blocks sitting there um, with no income, and you're trying to sell the blocks off, because the the one thing about um, finalising a development when it's a lot one lot into a two lot, you can't have an existing property sitting over the two do- properties. Um, which is a different story if you're on two lots. If the property is already on two lots, you can actually sell it and you could actually have secured contracts and then you could demolish the house, you know, subject to obviously, you know, ticking all the other, other boxes. But, you know, there's potential to hold, have holding income for a lot longer. Um, so I think there's those things to consider as well. So number one, if you could find a property on a corner block, uh, with subdivision potential, That is, yeah, that would be. I I, I don't. It's not a unicorn because they're out there, but if you can find them, there's generally money. You know, you can make money if you if you buy well in that in that circumstance.
2: They strongly push for the buy and hold strategy, choosing it as the first thing they'd advise themselves on if any given opportunity to go back ten years.
1: If I met myself ten years ago, I would probably say when when you're investing, hold hold the potential investment um, for as long as you can before you develop it. I think that's, that's my key um, takeaway. And that's, you know, one thing. And I think I mentioned that's the strategy that um, uh, we're looking to um, get involved in, um, in our next journey. So I think, you know, for me, I'm probably looking back at that now and I'm at that, you know, looking back at that 10 years now and and going, all right, what, what would have I done different or what would have we done different? I think that's, that's the key.
3: And then I would actually say, if you don't need to sell it, hold on to it. So only only sell if you've got a purpose, a reason to. Yeah,
1: something better to do with the money. You know, obviously another opportunity. I think that's yeah, that's key. It's very tempting to always take, you know, take the take the, the profit then. But if you don't need to, yeah, absolutely.
2: For their future plans, the couple aim to buy more properties to hold and develop in the long term, while also building custom homes for their clients.
1: Like I was mentioning, for me, it's it's about buying um, properties that are just in reasonable condition, uh, properties that have not you know potential to be demolished, uh, and hold those properties um, for a period of on average of seven years, uh, and then look at developing them. Uh, that's that's definitely the the strategy that I've, I'm looking to um, put in place, uh, and the reason being is that there's a lot of great areas um, within 10Ks of the Brisbane CBD that have a lot of old houses. And I think if you can get, you know, buy properties in that area, and that's obviously, you know, generic, there's obviously some suburbs that will always perform better than others. But, you know, for me, that's where, that's what we're looking for. And then build a brand new property on that. And if we're in a position to hold that property rent it out get the depreciation and all those things or if the market's in an opportune time we'll you know maybe sell a couple of sell them sell them down so the strategy will be to buy properties over the next five years and then the property that was bought you know in the first year then start developing that in the sixth year um so then it's then it's finished the seventh year so and see what see what happens
3: and then i'm really excited about we've just you know completed that that family home build and we project managed that with our builder and I had well we had such a great time being able to um, specify every single fixture and fitting in the property and you know choosing everything um, so and just being in real estate now for the last nine years we know what our what our clients want like what our buyers are looking for so to be able to Build a boutique uh, townhouse development, and you know, start to finish project manager. That that excites me, um, and then also doing custom build homes as well, and then selling those. Fantastic. So different strategies, but like we can we can merge our both both of our um, our dreams together into <laughs> a property strategy.
2: The Hagans are willing to hold off on their portfolio for their certain long term benefits.
1: Yeah, it, it, it'll be a buy and hold. For, as, to many a point, as, as, as many as we can, but you know, if we if we if we buy say eight properties over the next five years, and then we've we've got to develop and sell four of them, well, you know, that's great. Still building our portfolio um, to a point, a point to create that cash flow as well.
2: From the Hagens recommended book list is Rich Dad Poor Dad. They claim the most meaningful lesson they learned from the book is.
1: I just think more the leverage. Like when not when we started investing, it was like how do I, how do I leverage that money? How do I buy an investment property, or how do I buy something that I can then leverage to then buy something else?
3: Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to have the or your the own. Deposit. Yeah,
1: you don't actually have to. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I learned. And obviously, in a rising market or or a market that you can add value to a property and then go and speak to the bank again and get the property revalued and then look at you know, using that to equity. That, you know, that's probably the key thing that I learnt out of that book and, you know, I think it's a great takeaway.
2: The Hagans believe that their determination and goal-focused mindsets are the biggest contributions to their success.
3: I think our determination and just that we're just really goal-focused and it's, yeah, it's we're not after an overnight success. We're all about developing up to reach to our goals. Like our, our perfect example is our most recent long-term goal we've just been, we've just been able to accomplish. So um, just yeah, sticking, setting long-term goals, keep reflecting and keep working towards them.
1: Yeah, no, yeah I'm, I'm the same. I'm continuously setting you know achievable short-term goals to contribute to achieving a long-term goal. I think that's the main thing to you reward yourself uh, when you achieve those short-term goals and and obviously, have a, have a path to getting to get that long-term goal is very important.
2: For such rewards, the couple are simply looking forward to spend their time as a family with their children, opting to go travel together during the holidays.
3: I have to admit that we have only started rewarding ourselves recently. Um, and yeah, that's a lesson learned from us that we didn't actually give ourselves enough acknowledgement along the way. You
1: go, yeah, and like we, you know, we went on a, you know, we've been on a couple of great holidays uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, I think, you know, just just actually spending, like for us, reward is spending time, um, take time out uh, with the kids, and and just yeah, but, you know, think back and, and take a look at what you've achieved, and then you know, look forward to see what you know what we can do. And I think you know, for us, holidays with the kids is a is a great reward. Um, there's always other little bits and pieces, but it's yeah you know, that's the main focus. It's just you know time and and uh, being away with the, with the kids is great.
2: If you'd like to connect with the Hagans, you can reach out to them via.
1: You'd best probably to find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm more active on LinkedIn than I am any other uh, platform. But uh, and our company, uh, you can follow our company um, at Calibre Real Estate. Uh, on Facebook and yeah, we've always got information going out for landlords, um, tenants, buyers, sellers. Um, We release a lot of blog articles weekly so if people want to just get on and and, uh, have a look about what we're about, um, feel free to, to follow us.
2: Thank you to Alice and Justin Hagen, our guests in this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about their journey, visit our website at propertyinveststory.com. Simply type in the search bar Alice and Justin Hagen and select that episode to learn more about their story. Also are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit PropertyInvestStory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now.
0: Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.